Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I do believe that it's more beneficial for you to drive faster in the rain than slower. Oh, my God. It's Wes. You're the reason why (laughs) when I'm trying to take my son to school, I got to go through four different traffic jams because people want to drive in the rain like it's doggone 85 degrees outside. I can't stand it. I'm sitting there like, where are the police when you need them? And Walker. You just struck a nerve with Wes. Yeah, for sure. You're the guy. You're that guy. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. 15 or 20 minutes later, I'm going to be sitting in 15 or 20 minutes of traffic because some idiot can't drive in the rain. Charlotte, when it rains, forget about it. Clock on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. This is what our radio show has become. 770 just texted in, dang. I flip on the radio just to hear Wes talking about knocking ice cream cones. Right, like I said, all that. For wearing an opposing team jersey. <laughs> That's low, man. That's real low. That's exactly how I heard it. We were also talking about <laughs> how much you would pay to go see your favorite team, Game 7, in the Super Bowl, whatever the high-stakes game is, how much would you pay to go to that game? And Crown Club writes in, yeah, if the Hornets are in it in a Game 7, especially at the Spectrum Center, I'm paying 20 k now, the last thing I'd ask, if you if you hit the lotto, you hit one of those nice jackpots. It don't even have to be the biggest one, but you hit a nice one where you straight forever. Then would your price change or how much would it be? Let's just sure. say you had $100 million in the bank. Then would you pay 20 bands? Yeah, I would pay 20 grand. <laughs> I would pay, I'd probably pay more and bring bring the friends too. Yeah, I'd if I had everybody. lotto like that, I'd be on my way to Vegas. Y'all would be coming with me and a couple other people. Well, that'd be sweet. I would love that. So continue to play the lottery and hopefully that'll happen. I also told Crown Club, I was like, actually, you're right. After I was hedging on it, you're right. 20K, my firstborn, I'm paying something to go oh, see the Oh, you better believe in my free time today, I'm going to look up every Super Bowl sweepstakes that there is and I'm going to enter it. Just to see if I can, if I can get this thing. Did you do this four years ago? I didn't. I didn't. But now that I realize, not that I didn't before, but just how hard it is to get there. Mm -hmm. I got, you know, I'm I'm going to hit up every sweepstakes I can. Anytime we ask Wes about this Super Bowl run. Yeah. He's been very player-like in being reflective. Look, we've had to go through a lot it's of adversity. Hard. Hey, dude, it's, it's really hard to get there. I remember this might be sitting the there on that first play, and I remember seeing a tight shot in Bryce's face when he said, I can't go in slow motion, and my heart just sank. I was like, man, I was like, this game is over with. And all I was thinking about was getting back to the NFC Championship game. Man, it's tough being a fan. I mean, yeah, I, I remember when Carolina was going back in 17. Like it's it's all season. It's all you think about, mm-hmm. and when you live it the way that we as sports fans live and die with our teams, yeah, it's why we can say we while while never wearing their jersey, never playing for them because we invest our time, our money. It's 
It's a lifestyle. Well, and the, the weird kind of irrational thing I want to happen for Carolina basketball, right? Which is the team that I grew up pulling for more than any team. Charlotte Hornets, Carolina basketball, and the Carolina Panthers. That's what I cared about growing up. With Carolina, I always want them to win at least one championship every decade. Mm-hmm. I want them to continue to be that team because they went in the 80s and 90s, right? It's going, and I always look. It's like, all right, it's 2024. You know, we still have a back half, but I'd like to see it done. I'd like to see this <laughs> continue. And you're right. It's always, we never know when we're going to come back, but they always just do it yeah. in the next decade. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, all right, we're at 2020. It's time. A little bit. Let's get back on it. I just want to get one decade. I want to get every century for the Hornets. That'd be great. Right now we're over. Yeah. <laughs> we still have 65 more years before we can at least just have one finals appearance before we actually get to uh, the end of the century as the uh, team was constructed. All right, let's go to the live wire. Here's a new edition with Josh Fitty Marlowe. Live wire connect. The east to the west, up north to the down south. Live wire connect. All right, it feels good to be back. Shropping it like it's hot. It wasn't too bad, but uh, it wasn't, it isn't the live wire. And we usually start with local sound. And we're going to get to some Dave Canales sound in just a minute. But we got to revisit Dan Campbell's fourth down aggressiveness and analytics because I got got hushed out and I've got thoughts. Well, after he (laughs) lost the NFC title game last night, the head coach of the Lions says he didn't regret going for it on fourth down. Yeah, I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. Um, You know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, And I wanted to get the upper hand back. Um, You know, and it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions. So, Walker, when you when you revisit what you said back in the second segment, mm-hmm. you, you thought that it made absolutely sense for him to go forward. You could almost question him kicking the field goal at the end of the first half. That's right. As opposed to going for the touchdown. I, I want you to know I mean this in the most nicest way possible. The most nicest. It's it's the worst a take you've you've ever had. Th- think about this. San Francisco kicked a field goal coming out of the half. So if you kick a field goal on your next drive, they don't have the upper hand. You've stalled the momentum. It's still three to three. Had they scored a touchdown, maybe it makes more sense because now it's twenty four to fourteen. But it was twenty four to ten. You kick the field goal, you make it a three-possession game once again, as opposed to it being a two-possession game, to keep it a two-possession game. He said they bleed the clock. That's what they do. Doesn't it make more sense to get the points when you can then? Because well, you had control over it. But, like, here's my thing. I, I, I Look, I know that you are who you are, and you do what you do when you get yourself there. Baseball and football are the two sports that change the most in the postseason. It's a different game. How does football? I just how does football change? Less possessions. There's on average two less possessions per side in a playoff game. So go ahead and get your points while you have the chance. Yeah, but whenever you, whenever you, you, whenever you're in that situation, and yes, on the road, yes, my conservative butt, I'm taking points because I'm making it a three possession game. Wes, if you could answer this honestly, if mm-hmm. the game's 27-10, you think you win the game. If the game's 27-10. It was so early in the game, football so situational, I would say it makes it look more insurmountable. Yeah. And I feel like the message he sent his defense 
was, I don't trust you. And their defense up to that point had played its tail off, was holding up in the back end, which was where all the concerns with Detroit going into the game anyway. And I just, at some point, these coaches, even as analytically driven as they are, have got to start coaching and managing games with their gut and not with numbers. Because I don't think... I don't think his gut told him to go for it. I think the math told him to go for it. I may be wrong, but it it, it single-handedly cost his team the game. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's rich. I, I look at it like this. Like I said, with the momentum they had, I think that played into him calling it and the fact that that's their M.O. But the momentum that they had offensively, San Francisco was having no luck stopping them like that. I didn't blame him for going for it on those fourth downs. I thought that they should. I'm like, hell, if that was my team, I'd want them to the way that they're dominating right now. And when you look at the first one, that kind of set everything into motion, the fourth and two that Reynolds dropped. The play was executed. The players didn't finish the play. They didn't make their coach right. It's not like nothing was there and Bosa just killed the tackle and got back there and got a sack force fumble or something like that. The blocking was there. Golf stepped up, threw a very catchable pass. Josh Reynolds didn't catch it. They called the correct play into the correct defense. The players did not execute that one. But, and then, you know, for the field goal argument, again, like I said, yes, more times than not, they're going to make it. But there's also a chance that he misses the kick or he gets blocked. San Francisco missed kicks, had kicks blocked. That happens. If that happens, then the narrative turns around on him to where the players, because I'm saying even the defensive players would have been saying, Coach, we're killing them. Why are we not going for this? This is what we do. We'll get a stop if you don't make it. So I just think he was in a situation you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But like I said, I commend him for going out on his sword. And the last thing I'll say is like I compared it to where, let's just say in the game that Shanahan gets inside the five and throws it four times. I would have been livid right. because I'm like, you know, you hand the ball to McCaffrey. Why are you switching up now? So that's what I likened it to. Well, and, and look, we're just going to go ahead and skip the other sound bites because this is going to be a conversation again, which is fine. <laughs> but here you are bringing up fewer possessions, right? That's yeah. how it's different. Why is that? Because teams continue to go for it on fourth down because they realize how much of a premium touchdowns are compared to field goals. And so if the other team holds on to the ball longer, because they're going after touchdowns and they're getting these fourth down conversion attempts and they're successful on them, then that means they're on their way to score a touchdown. And now when you get the ball back after they just bled the clock a little bit longer, what do you have to do? You got to go get a touchdown. I don't see anybody giving Kansas City or even Baltimore credit when they went for it on fourth. Baltimore went for it on their own 34. Oh, didn't Kansas City go for it on fourth in the first half when they should have kicked the field goal? Because well, they because did. They went for it on fourth down and got a touchdown yeah, because on, of on it. on that one drive. And then but another why are we dri- giving it credit? That's my point. Like, that, it, at a game where Kansas City scored 17, and they scored seven because they went for it on fourth down instead of just settling for a Harrison Butker field goal, I could see the narrative now. Harrison is one of the most clutch kickers in the postseason that we've ever seen. You should have just settled for the field goal, but instead, but no, Kansas City got a touchdown because they went for it and they were aggressive and because touchdowns are a premium against the best teams in the NFL, such as the teams that are playing in conference championship weekend. I, I just, like, as I... Oh, my bad. When you trust defenses too, like, this is the other thing that is, it's backwards. Like, the whole trust your defense thing is absolutely backwards. 
if you trust your defense, then you trust that they're going to be able to perform on a shorter field. Because if you turn it over, if you don't get the fourth down, then that's putting your defense in a harder situation, but you trust them by putting them in, in that harder situation. So the whole trusting the defense thing, it quite literally is the opposite of how we talk about it right now. Yeah, I mean, look, if it was, if the game was a shootout and it felt like you had to chase points, no one's going to argue with it. Well, nobody was stopping. They weren't stopping San Fran. It was 24 24 to 10. In the second half, San Fran was running all over them and Brock Purdy. They had one drive. Their first drive, they went down, kicked a field goal. If you match the field goal, guess what? It's still the same halftime margin. And as as Wes said, you're at that point in the middle of the third quarter. You maybe at most have two to three possessions less. The math... The math would then tell you it was hard for them to overcome a 17-point deficit than a 14-point deficit because you're, because or Sam, 24 or well, they did overcome yeah. a 17-point well, deficit did. to be exact. Yeah, well, well, they, they did. could have just gone for it at the end of the first half and then think about how hard it is to overcome a 21-point deficit. See, that deficit. was a call that I thought would have been really Woo. tricky because I thought they tried to run it, which had been so successful in the first half, and the 49ers stopped it. And they were hot. And then, but I said fourth down, that would have been a very hard play. Because I think that Jared Goff is not mobile, so then you can just rush for a drop seven. Seven guys is hard to throw into in the end zone. Maybe he gets it, maybe he doesn't. But I think he really would have been raked over the coals if they didn't get any points before half. San Francisco goes in with momentum, feeling good. Because that's the thing, and, and to Fiddy's point where if you do kick the field goal, you make it. Or But the fourth downs. Those fourth downs, if he converts those, that's deflating for that San Francisco oh, defense. Yeah. And then, like you said, more than likely you score a touchdown because the defense just starts to become hopeless. I just don't know if the risk is worth the reward. And, and, and I guess uh, maybe we play this in, in the next break because I have a, a cut of Canales talking about how important analytics are in play calling. As a football fan, like with baseball, I've accepted the fact that analytics – run two-thirds of the teams. It's a part of the game. Football's going that way. As a football fan, are you okay with math and equations and numbers dictating what the decisions your coaches make every but Sunday? But see, I think Campbell likes that. When you listen to him talk, that's the MO of this team. Campbell's like, we're walking in here beating our drum, telling you we're going to beat you behind, we're going to let you know about it, and we're going to do it. And one of the ways that they do it is going forward on fourth down because I think that he is the one of the ultimate player coaches in the league. He really believes in his guys. That's why you do it. And he really believes in his defense. I think it's not uh, to that point about him not trusting his defense. I think he's saying we're going to go for it on fourth down because we're going to stop you if we don't make it. And last thing I said, Walker, before you go, Biddy, I know you. If the Lions win that game and they convert those fourth downs, you are calling this man the next thing. You're yes. calling him the greatest thing since fire was invented. If they win this game and they convert <laughs> two of those third uh, fourth downs, you're like, oh, my God, the ball's on that guy. Wes, if, if you want me to, I can get Maul on the phone, <laughs> and she can she can confirm that I was yelling at the TV, kick the field goal. I'm sure, but if he would have went no. for it and got – if he would have gotten those fourth downs – Knowing you, you would have been calling him the greatest coach since Belichick. Yesterday, McCarthy's analytics made more sense than Dan Campbell's. No, they did not. Now I know you're tripping. I don't know what you had at Mama's house yesterday. Oh, it was something that messed up with your brain. I had a fried hamburger, and it was, oh, it was so good. Nothing like a good skillet. This good is hamburger. Go ahead. my last thing here <laughs> is this is the weird part about where analytics are in this topic of conversation and how we fight for or against it. Dan Campbell. The ultimate man's man. Not afraid of anything. He needs to be conservative 
and bring out the punter or the kicker more often because they shouldn't go for it. When in fact, he is putting so much trust in his players, but also he's being aggressive. Is Plus, did they just go 12 and 5 and make it to the conference championship game with the way that they played? So even if you wanted to say that there's a different brand of football, didn't they just win the previous game playing the brand of football that they played all year long? No, because they weren't up 14 on the road having to make that type of decision. It's different. T- tell me, I would like to know how. Like, seriously, because if, 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 we, if we're trying to make a field goal, right, if like field goal is the answer, and we're saying that San Francisco comes back from a 17-point deficit, and you should have just taken the points, even though they did at the end of the first half, but we don't have a problem with that. Like, I just, nothing is consistent. It's not consistent. We're not we're not giving other teams that have gone for it praise when they actually do make these decisions and then they get it. No, because analytics in football, you have a 16, 17 game sample size. Makes I sense. And then, and then it, it's different in a one off elimination game. And 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 I would say, too, we wanted to ask Panther fans that you can answer it on a text line. Do you want Canales to be that type of aggression? Do you, Hell yeah. That type of aggressive. Do you want him to be on that Dan Campbell, uh, Ben Johnson type of time? Let us know, 704-570-9610. We have more content to get to, probably more Dan Campbell stuff, more Dave Canales stuff. We've got more NFL conversation, probably loud noises and disagreements. Yes. Next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Arguing all show long about Dan Campbell's decision to go for it on multiple fourth down conversion attempts. We've read your text messages on the matter. 704-570-9610. Also wanted to read some of your opinions on whether you want Dave Canales to end up being somewhat of a Dan Campbell type of coach in that regard, where you are going for it a decent amount on fourth down conversion attempts. Fish and Lake Norman says, I want Canales to be that type of aggressive, but come on, man. It takes Jimmy's and Joe's to be that type of aggressive. We have a long way to go before opposing defenses are going to be worried about us going for it on fourth and anything. Well, of course, I think the idea is that you want your head coach to be that kind of aggressive once you have made the changes to the roster. Yeah, I'd I don't trust this offense to pick up a single yard. I don't trust that at all. So no, I'd, I mean, maybe even still on some of those plays, I would like for them to at least give a shot because I trust them to pick up a yard, I guess, more than have another series, not end up in a turnover or not end up in a punt at some point. 
So I, I would like Dave Canales to be that guy. I see Granny Pat is uh, disagreeing with you on the uh, the text line. What is Granny Pat she saying said to that, me? Uh, the ending of the Clemson game with point four seconds. She said that was a foul. She said the Clemson guy had his hand straight up. Duke player went into him, home oh. cooking. Well, I don't know if I disagreed with that, right? You said you didn't think the game was taken from Clemson. Oh, I, I don't. Granny I'm sorry. Pat I'm is, sorry. Uh, disagreeing, right? I did think that last play, that was a lot of contact. I thought Clemson should have got so she, some free throws. Yeah, so I guess she disagrees with both Wes and Walker, huh? Right? Yeah. yeah that's a, I, Granny Pat, we still love you. We appreciate you. I, I, don't, I don't think that game was stolen from uh, the Clemson Tigers. I did want to say one other thing about Dan Campbell. Mm-hmm. Not on the fourth down stuff, mm-hmm. but there was one egregious mistake that he made. And you talk about yelling at the TV. Mm-hmm. I was asking him what the hell he was doing when you call a timeout at the goal line. So at the end of this game, when you had all three of your timeouts left, you decide to run the football. You get stopped. You have more downs to get into the end zone, but now that clock is running and running and running. And instead of throwing it on that pass or throwing it on that play or just lining up and trying to go for another play real quickly, you call a timeout and that does not allow you to get the football back again unless you are successful in an onside kick. To me, that was terrible game management. So with Dan Campbell deciding to go for it on fourth downs, I have zero problem with that. Mm-hmm. Zero problem. But you can't call a timeout when you're at the goal line. Didn't they run it on the third down, though, to set up the fourth down? You had to take the timeout, right, just to conserve time. Am I remembering this correctly? Yes, well, they sh- but they should have thrown it. Well, okay, yeah, but so, I mean, so like the timeout, couple- like he had no choice but to take. Oh, no, you still, but you have to conserve that third timeout because now you only get the football back if you're successful in an on, onside kick. If you run it real quickly, like you got to be ready for it. If you decide to run, you have to have a play call ready to go on the very next possession. Or hey you can guys, have your special teams unit ready to run on the field, line up, and kick the field goal because. Either way, you have to preserve. Either way, that's fine. Either way, you have to preserve that timeout because now it's what Greg Olson was saying the entire time on the call, too. You have two timeouts left now. If you don't collect this onside kick, it's a ball game. Ball game. Did you agree or, with him going for it on fourth down? On that play? Like, or, it, yeah, was, it was 34 24, a minute to go, fourth and goal. Like, <laughs> I'm kicking the field goal. He goes for the touchdown. Where were y'all? I was fine with it. I was fine. That You needed a score there. Now we're in such a specific territory where you just needed to score and then get the ball back. So I, yes, I actually like them going for the touchdown more so, but kick a field goal, score a touchdown, whatever they were successful on it. So it's hard to second guess it once they go for it, but you have to have three timeouts so you can possibly get the ball back and not have to rely on something that never happens. I mean, although, it, although that onside kick was, it was it was as good of an attempt as you could possibly go. And did they say on the broadcast that the ball didn't go ten yards? It did. Yes. Detroit, yeah, there it was did. So even if they didn't, yeah, it it did not. Mm-hmm. So Detroit would have been called for a penalty even if Detroit collected it at the time that they touched it. But that was such a problem for me. So when you have some sort of pulse, you have some life. And then you decide to call a timeout after a run play that you don't get. And so you don't line up and try to throw that thing in the end zone if you were indeed going to go for it, which is fine. But now you have two timeouts. And if you don't get that onside kick, ball game. If you do kick it off the next play, then you stop them three times on a run. You at least give yourself a shot of having, what, like 30-something seconds left? That offense, that creative of a play caller, that gives you a shot. 
But you took it out of your defense's hands when you called a timeout. All the I love Dan Campbell. I have zero problem with any of the fourth down calls. That's how they play. They've been successful, and that's how they're here. But that, that's where we say, Dan, you messed up, my guy. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, and I can agree with that, man. And that game, it had so many different ways that it could have gone, man. And and so for Dan Campbell, I know that he'll take this and he'll learn from it. And as Fiddy said, you know, Detroit's in a in a good in a good spot. And I was thinking last night too when they were dominating that first half, I was just like, man, for the people out there who don't think how much you should be investing in your offensive line. Because I'm like, Detroit's offensive line, they were coming well, to play ball. Now, second half, yeah, they adjusted. And, I mean, that was one of the top three defenses in the NFL. So, yeah, they're going to start to make plays after a while. But them big boys was housing in the first half. Well, man. I hear you. No, the offensive line is great. But this is going back to the Panay Sewell-Jamar Chase conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, who didn't show up in the second half? It was the wide receivers. Yeah. How many drop passes did you have, right? Like, Jared Goff needs a good offensive line to be effective. That's what we've seen from him. But having Josh Reynolds drop a couple of balls, Amon Ross St. Brown on the fourth down, who's a great receiver, but they also didn't spend a lot on him. He was a fourth-round pick. That was just shrewd selection by Brad Holmes. He did a great job. But, like, yeah, it's, you know, receivers still matter, man. Like I saw, Oh, yeah. Well, and, and so the meme where it's the diagram of the quarterback on his back with the great receiver downfield, but saying he doesn't matter because your quarterback's on his back and can't stay upright. I saw Joe Goodberry put out, okay, here's the quarterback that throws it, and then it's dropped by some bad wide receiver because mm-hmm. you decided to take the good offensive lineman, right? Like, I think it can work both ways. No, I hear you. The offense, well, I mean, you, you're not going back on the Jamar Chase selection. No, I'm not saying if you're that, Cincinnati. but Jamar Chase is on the couch. Well, he, and so were the Lions two years. There, but well, well, yeah. I mean, and so were the Lions two years ago, right? Yeah. So it, they were both on the couch. <laughs> so it evens out. No, I, I hear you. Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase. I don't think either one. What about been. how much too he was putting uh, Lyman in there at tight end? Yeah, Panay Sewell at tight end on multiple. Sets. They put him in motion, Wes. That's what I'm saying. He was going out running routes. Yeah, Ben Johnson. He's going to be. Yeah, some of the best tape I'd ever seen coming out of college, boy. But Nate Sewell is. He was he was nasty. So here's the question. I, I did see this on Twitter. I did want to bring this up. Mm-hmm. Adam Schefter apparently on the Pat McAfee show today said that Ben Johnson to the Commanders is not a done deal. What do we think that means? It, it doesn't mean that there's a shot he goes to Carolina anymore because they already have Dave Canales and they're already rolling on some of the other decisions after that. I see Fiddy's brain working over there. I know exactly what you're doing. I mean, you don't think we could pay him enough to be the OC back home? 15 mil to be the OC, who says no? I, that's actually not where I thought you were going. I thought you were saying just fire Dave Canales real quickly and then go after Ben Johnson. I mean, <laughs> I why you- not? Let's let's do the, you know, outside the box. Hire a coach, fire a coach. He could be our Bill Belichick. What are the chances he actually goes back to Detroit or I guess coaches Seattle with there still being a vacancy? Like, what are the chances Ben Johnson does not end up in D.C.? Man, so I think at this point it's still going to be his job. I just think them not saying it's a slam dunk. I mean, Washington has their choice of the playoff coaches. I think that they're going to choose to pursue. Now, are they going to pursue them back? Because word is, like you said, Seattle is zeroing in on Mike McDonald, it would appear. So then uh, I think that the Ravens offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, his stock might have dropped a little bit uh, after yesterday. Yeah, it was a bad game from him. Yeah, you know, his stock may have dropped just a little bit. 
But I'd still go out on a limb. I still think Ben Johnson's going to be the guy in Washington. Did you imagine Ben Johnson be. in Seattle? Geno, DK, Jackson Smith and Jigba, yeah. Kenneth Walker the third. Yep, they'd be losing to the Niners twice a year like they already do. But anyway. Um, I actually think that's true, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'd like to see him. I, I had a lot of respect for Ben Johnson, the way that they got after San Francisco's defense, and I'd love to see what he can do on Washington. Uh, you know, getting a quarterback to start with, more than likely Drake May. Because uh, for Panther fans, we also wanted to ask the question, did you kind of lament, I guess especially watching that first half, did you lament, maybe feel like the Panthers might have pulled the trigger too soon and wanted them to go after well, uh, him? And, and maybe, Or even if there was no chance, did you lament the fact that you didn't have a chance with him? Well, no, that conversation is going to have some life now. Because Adam, I actually wasn't, speaking of being aggressive or not so aggressive, I wasn't aggressive enough telling you what Adam Schefter said on Pat McAfee said today, right? I just messed all that up, but you get the idea. (laughs) He said, I'm not convinced yet that Ben Johnson is getting the commander's job. People think Ben Johnson is going to Washington. Dan Quinn is going to Seattle. Adam Schefter says, I will bet you at a minimum that one of those isn't right and maybe both. So if that's the case and Ben Johnson goes back to Detroit as the offensive coordinator, then our Panthers fans going to be frustrated that we just didn't wait long enough. All you had to do was what that news comes in on Thursday, Wednesday mm-hmm. of Dave Canales. All you had to do was wait half a week. I told you all our week, you get a chance to talk to him on Sunday night. You did. You did say that. It didn't look like we we're going to. It looked like we we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, I then, thought that comment was going to come back to but, bite me in the keister. But, but it, it ended up being <laughs> right. Oh, no. I just I don't think I'm equipped well enough for that right now. That now we're going to be like, wait, Carolina made this awful decision. And just just when I thought we would be safe from the comparisons that you know held us hostage this year, Bryce to C.J. Stroud, Frank Reich to D'Amico Ryans, are you telling me that we're going to have Dave Canales now compared to Ben Johnson mm. again because if, because there was a real shot? If, if there wasn't a real shot to go get him, then we would just throw that comparison in the trash. Guys, it, it was never going to happen. But if you're telling me, wait, they could have actually waited – and just felt Ben Johnson out a little bit. Hey, are you sure you don't want to come to Carolina? I don't want that combo, man. I don't want that combo. Yeah, Wes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're saying you're saying you do. That's, you do. That's want. tough. I, I did think about it though, with how emotional that team is. That the Detroit Lions, they do not have success ever. Mm-hmm. They get to the postseason and they are very close to getting to the Super Bowl after having San Francisco in a chokehold in the first half. Is it so emotional? Or even Dan Campbell, remember these comments after the game? He's saying, I, do we ever make it back here? I don't know. I believe we will, but you may never. This felt Nothing like our... ever absolute football. And he also said, this felt like our best shot. I, I felt like some of those comments were more so Ben Johnson comments. And if that's the case, then does Ben Johnson just try to complete it and go back to Detroit and work there for a third season and skip out again? If Adam Schefter is saying this to us, mm-hmm. and this ends up being true, and Seattle doesn't go after Dan Quinn or Mike McDonald, and then Washington gets like Bill Belichick or somebody, I don't know, Ben Johnson just goes back to the Lions as an OC, and it looks like he's going to have another run at this thing next year. D- d- if that ends up happening, that's going to be crazy. Well, the thing is, too, I, I think his comments just pointed to the year-to-year attrition of football. And it's like, yeah, man, you got to the NFC Championship this year. But 
injuries, dissension, different things, guys leaving free agency, uh, you know, preseason injuries, all that stuff can change your fortunes because when you look at the teams that played on Sunday, they were the healthiest, best teams. That's one thing I was worried about all year with San Francisco and that I've been thrilled about is that they've gotten through healthy. And so that's another thing that I think Dan Campbell was commenting about. Every team is going to be different. Your roster is never going to come back the same. This is not college football where you could have a young team and everybody will be back. Well, this was pre-transfer portal. I should preface that. But I'm just saying, I think Campbell knows, man. And I think, you know, the history of Detroit, their pedigree doesn't say that this is a team that's going to be there year in, year out. Now, can Campbell change that? That's his next challenge. It's like, yeah, you're the toast of the city now. You took the team to the NFC Championship beyond the wildest imagination of Detroit fans. But now the key is for Detroit are you going to take that next step and become a program that's consistently in the mix? Are you going to be a team that's going to be up there for the next decade where you're getting to the playoffs pretty much every year and teams are talking about you as a contender? And I think that's the thing he's talking about too because, you know, my my mind kind of drifted towards, and I don't know if Detroit's going to be back here on a regular basis, and my only rationale was it's Detroit. Well, and and also the biggest difference is going to be Ben Johnson. If he makes such a big difference as the play caller, and we yeah. can all see that, they clearly have talent. They clearly have a good GM after the draft history that's been there for the last couple of years. But Ben Johnson is the biggest difference, and that's why it was weird to hear Dan Campbell say some of the stuff he did. This ultimate confident guy, the very confidence that allows him to go for it on fourth down, to hear that was interesting to me. Well, he's also a, a player that knows how hard it is to get to that point and knows it's not a guarantee. Also for Ben Johnson, he waited out last coaching cycle. If he waits out this one, look at the jobs that potentially could be available next year. Dallas, Philly, mm-hmm. Buffalo. Those are all three better jobs that, that ever came open in the last two coaching cycles. He doesn't seem in a rush to get a head coach because these coordinators are a lot more, I guess, aware of what they're getting into when they become head coaches. Um, and, and so he might look at it and say, let's come back. We've got this close. Let's take that next step, get over the hump. And then I could even get a better job where I, I go from successful coordinator to successful head coach. That's not a bad thought. It's a good point. It also suggests that this might be Ben Johnson's doing, and that's how I operated at the beginning of this, but Adam Schefter is suggesting that this is because of what the commanders are doing. Adam is saying that he may get that job in Washington. He very well may get that job, but it's not a slam dunk, and it's not that Washington is only zeroing in on him right now. So if Washington decides to go a different direction, it's not crazy because we did talk about how crazy of a pool this was, how talented it was. And if you are Josh Harris, a new owner, and you feel a little worried and you want to make sure you get this hire right, then the first hire ever just might be what we consider the GOAT in Bill Belichick. Maybe it's Mike Vrabel, who's been to a postseason four straight times at Tennessee before you didn't get there the last couple of times. Or it may just be that wily old coach in Seattle that still has a lot of energy despite being over 70. There are enough qualified candidates to take that job away from Ben Johnson. And I wonder if Washington just might be looking at somebody more experienced. There are a couple things at play that I certainly did not expect to happen yeah. after conference championship weekend. Yeah, I think we're going to see in the next few days something's going to happen with that situation. I think Washington, uh, because I don't see them hiring anybody from either the two Super Bowl teams, so I think Washington's going to come to a decision in the coming days, if not today. 
That has been a it's been a hell of a conference championship recap today on Weston Walker. Very fun show. All right, let's move on to the last segment. We'll talk about what we're watching. Fiddy's got something new. He's watching. We discuss it on the other side. Weston Walker Sports Radio, ninety two seven WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio yeah they know what they're doing in fact we can honestly say they're not new to chicken they're true to chicken the mccrispy only at mcdonald's Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Willie P. Going to be coming at you in just a moment alongside Smoke Ludwig for the Kyle Bailey Show. I believe Willie Seriously? P. Seriously. Willie P. Going to be filling in the next two days. And then I believe Kyle is back. If I'm not mistaken, at least that's the plan as I know. Yeah, it does sound like Beta will be back on Wednesday. But until then, we got to deal with uh, William Eugene Palachik and his, sport, and his sports take. I drown in a pool of lame. I'm sorry, Willie. Unfortunate. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor Willie. I'm not. I didn't mean. I just wanted to promote the show with Willie, but then come on, man. Yeah, he took matters into his own hands and started unleashing all of the Willie sound that we have <laughs> in our arsenal. You said that you were picking up a new show here. If we're talking about what we're watching, I know Wes, you started The Sopranos not too long ago, yes. so we can get to that in a moment. But you started a new show over the weekend, Fiddy. And I'm What'd starting start? Griselda. Yeah. Um. Also, Guys Night. We, we started The Sopranos as well. My second time through. My cousins never seen it but um if you follow me on twitter i made my way through breaking bad phenomenal show right there with sopranos best show i've ever seen watch the sequel movie el camino very good sequel to a tv show but now i'm starting the prequel mm-hmm. the show that walker says is better than breaking bad i do think so i know it, if you want to say breaking bad that's totally fine absolutely get it i do think better call Saul is better i started it last night and not gonna lie to you a little confused because Saul Goodman, not Saul Goodman, mm-hmm. wasn't prepared for that. I'm just one episode in, but um, I'm excited because you hype it up. Matt gets bored in season two, so I don't know where I'm going. Hmm. Colin watched Better Call Saul first, so we had a different appreciation for some of the characters when he went and watched Breaking Bad. So I'm open-minded, but one episode down. Nothing to complain about. All right, Sopranos, Wes. How are you doing with Sopranos right now? Uh, yeah, six episodes in. Uh, you know, so I'm enjoying it so far very much. Okay. Favorite character so far? Uh, I mean, it's it's, it's Tony. Tony. Yeah. Uh, you know, they crack me up. Uh, just his lifestyle, how they're able to compartmentalize. Like, 
you know, uh, don't nobody spoil it. Well, obviously, the show been around for a while. Who cares? But anyway, uh, you know, he takes his daughter on a college trip, but then he's trying to line somebody out. I mean, I've never seen it, so you are going to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> takes his daughter on a college uh, visit, but he's also was uh, spending his time uh, in their downtime trying to line somebody up to mark them. So, you know, it's the uh, the great balance of life. I'm not surprised from what I know about the Sopranos. I'm not surprised that that might be something that happens yeah. there. Um, I, I watched uh, the Charlotte Hornets game over the weekend. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was bad, no doubt. I, I did get to see P.J. Washington go crazy. The second, I, I saw that he bought out. I would have watched it. I was at the Canes game. In the second <laughs> half, he went nutso, scoring 43 points. <sighs> What kind of noise was that? Know, you right? sound like the Bird fan at the Jazz game with that sound. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie to you. I was up here Saturday uh, for the Hornets game. Mm-hmm. I told Flound, I said, this is this game will lead to Walker building a segment around not trading away PJ. So uh, we didn't do it today. Mm-hmm. May- maybe tomorrow or Wednesday. And then when Sam Farber called him 3J, I was like, yeah, Walker never wants him to leave Charlotte ever again. Uh, 3J's been around. That's for, the first time you heard 3J before? For PJ Washington, though? Fitty, yeah, that's like a common nickname. Anytime he makes a three, which I know you will say yeah. never happens. I mean, my nickname for him is Box Out, which importantly or supposedly yelled at your dog. Yeah, PJ needs to box out. I also yelled at my dog to watch out, but instead I said box out because I watched the Charlotte Hornets so often. I said, damn, Guinness, watch out, but I said, damn, Guinness, box out. <laughs> <laughs> Look. When get it, Guinness just isn't going after rebounds enough. I need him to show a lot more effort on that end of the floor. He's acting like he plays for the Charlotte Hornets. But <laughs> look, P.J. Washington, actually a fair criticism, not a great rebounder. But I already fired a P.J. takeoff on Locked On Hornets today. Oh, let's hear it. Well, my take is this is before the 40 points because he went crazy in the second half. That's how he scored 43. My P.J. Washington take is to please just watch this man in the first half have to make up or attempt to make up for every defensive lapse that everybody else has on the Charlotte Hornets roster, where he's trying to make sure he crashes down on somebody driving towards the goal. You have a kick out to Laurie Markinen. PJ, excellent closeout. Laurie Markinen is a seven foot three point shooter, so he nails it. But thank you, Del Curry, for saying that's a great closeout from PJ, great defense, just better offense. I've seen PJ have to try to make up for so many different defensive mistakes a team that cannot play defense, and yet everybody is going to be hating on P.J. Offensively, underwhelming this year. I wanted more from him. No doubt about that. The shooting should be here. They're asking him to play a million different roles, and I wish we would have seen more, but it looks like we've seen a cap offensively on P.J. But defensively, when people want to point to this team having struggled so much, that's because even not deserving an all-defensive spot at all, I'm not telling you he's OG Ananobi out here. He's not in the same neighborhood, but P.J., is by far the best defender that they have out there that could guard at the point of attack, team defense, and everybody else is making mistakes. And I just want people to watch him. Like, just watch the game. And then just tell me, oh, yeah, P.J. Washington is so terrible. My man, if you watched bad Hornets defense constantly and then you take away P.J. and you don't see 25, 30 minutes a night from him, then you would pull your hair out even more so. I'm just telling you, you can trade him. I'm here with that. Like, this team isn't going to win. If you want to trade them and get a first-round pick, whatever protected, that's fine. But that's my soapbox. It's just watching him in the second quarter have to make up for everybody else's defensive mistakes. And he's got some, too, but not nearly as many as everybody else. And then I have to hear people criticize him. That's my problem. I'm done. I love it, man. I mean, I, I take the passion all day for the Hornets, man, the bugs. I'm still in there. I'm still watching them uh, on a nightly basis, man. Me, too. 
You also watched, How was your Canes experience? Well, that's what we need to talk about. You got yeah. to go see the Canes this weekend. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. Got to go see them play uh, Arizona, uh, you know, so we had a great time as we always do. And this time I, I feel like I've run the gauntlet uh, with the Canes because, you know, I sounded the siren and they won that game. But uh, <laughs> we got to go down because it was uh, the Hockey Talks night and with the emphasis on uh, mental health and all that stuff. But we got to go down in the fan tunnel and got to see the players as they came out of their locker room. I saw the, that. Uh, second period. So it was pretty awesome to see those guys uh, up close like that, uh, you know, to see them coming out in all their gear and all those things because you get to see them, you know, on the ice and all that stuff, obviously, but to really get to see them up close, that was a cool experience. Then, you know, the game was 1-1 with a minute, a little under a minute. I think it was like 55 seconds or something like that. And something told me because I think at that point, on their last possession, they had gotten four to five good shots, and the crowd was just owing and ooing and on and stuff because they kept missing the shots. And I, something told me, I said, man, they're going to score right here and close this thing. And then they got the goal, and the place went ballistic. And then they got another goal before it ended. So uh, it was a great experience. Like always, it's my favorite team to go watch uh, by far. I can only speak to this watching the Charlotte Checkers many beers in because of Dollar Beer Night. Yeah. So. Take this opinion for what you will, <laughs> but that is an extremely exciting stretch in sports when there are a bunch of shots on goal and the goaltender continues to make miraculous save after miraculous save, and yet they're grabbing the rebound and still trying to bring that thing in. And finally, when they score, that is an exciting stretch that I've seen many beers in watching the Charlotte Checkers a couple of times. So I imagine it's maybe that on steroids watching the Canes. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. When they score and they play that Petey Pablo, it's the best. Oh, Willie Pete. He's crying. I know. Willie uh, Pete. Speaking of Petey Pablo, that is a perfect segue to the man that once put the full max length video that you can put out there on Twitter of Petey Pablo in his halftime performance. It's Willie P coming at you on the Kyle Bailey show alongside Smoke Ludwig. Thanks to Fitty coming back into the studios, helping us out. Of course, thanks uh, for Wes Bryant helping me. And uh, thanks to you guys for listening here for the last three hours as we transition to the Kyle Bailey show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.